Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. We've been training our whole lives to just sit around on our butts and watch TV. And uh, I feel if we, as a nation, we can do this. As our butts get bigger (laughs) with all the snacking. (laughs) We can eat and watch television. I'm I'm confident. At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz begins now. Hello, hello, it's Lou Katz welcoming you to the podcast that catches you up with the ever-changing world of entertainment. Ain't that the truth? Now time <laughs> And now time to bring on, thanks to computer technology from six miles away and WTOP and Vulture, Jen Cheney. <laughs> and from his underground bunker located at the corner of Keep Out. And go away. <laughs> it can only be our lovable Arch Campbell. Thank you. And just a few weeks ago, I thought Zoom was something we saw in the movies. Jen and Lou, and now we're Zooming. We're Zooming. I have Zoomed before. I only pre-Zoomed. <laughs> Jen is we're not Zoom. a Zoom Zoom virgin. No, she's no, been I'm there. No, I'm not. I've been around the block a few times. We did a Zoom in my family. My five cousins who are spread out all over the country uh, got together for a little Zoom uh, reunion. Oh, that's nice. uh, We had a lot of fun. So, so, and Jen, I want to thank you for putting everything into perspective last week when you said, we've been training for this for years, sitting on our butts watching TV. (laughs) Thank you for that. And Speaking of that, what have you been watching lately? Well, I watched several episodes of a new HBO show that starts uh, on Sunday called Run. I don't know. Run. I don't know if you've seen the commercials for this or not, but it stars Merritt Weaver and Domhnall Gleeson. And it's created by um, Vicki Jones, who directed the stage version of of Fleabag. So she works with Phoebe Waller-Bridge quite a bit. And the the premise of the series starts where Merritt Weaver's character gets a text message from Domhnall Gleeson's character that just says, RUN, in all caps. And she drops everything. She goes to the airport. She flies to New York. She goes to Grand Central to get on a train to go cross-country with Domhnall Gleeson. And at that point, you're not sure what their history is. Um, There seems to be some romantic history. You don't know what, you know, seems like she's married and maybe has a child but you start finding out things about their background and the whole time they're on this Amtrak train. And of course, at a time when none of us can travel. Right. um, So that part of it's really fun. And then the chemistry between them is just off the charts. Great. So I, I really enjoyed this. It was very, it was a very fun escape. Never ending. How many part, how many episodes? Well, there's seven episodes. It seems like it's a limited series, but I, I hesitate to say that about anything because every time I think something's limited and it does well, they're like, Oh, we have a season two on us. So we'll see. Huh. Well, I'll I'll look for that. And of course, uh, we're excited at my house about the return of Killing Eve, because especially the first season of that, I thought was one of the greatest things uh, ever on TV. The first season was great. The second season was not quite as great. And I would say the third season is not quite as great as that. Uh, that happens, <laughs> doesn't it? That's 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 a uh, that's a, a, a thing. Yeah. I mean, I think especially it's hard with a show like that where, you know, so much of the first season was about that kind of cat and mouse situation between 
Eve and Villanelle and last season it like it was like they were maybe trying to have a real relationship yeah um, that's hard to buy right and the last that we saw in season two spoilers for those who have not seen season two is that it appeared Eve was dead so uh we'll find out if she is or isn't but um you can probably guess that maybe she isn't since it's called Killing Eve and there's a third yeah. season <laughs> instead of when I killed Eve right <laughs> So, and I've been reading about this Quibi thing. I don't know if I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there and I'm a little bit behind the curb and I don't know if, if I'm ready for a world of Quibi. None of us know. You, you don't know if you're ready for Quibi until it comes for you, you know? For people who aren't familiar with what this is, uh, this is a new streaming platform because we don't have it. So they're like, oh, no. <laughs> Let's make some more. And Jeffrey Katzenberg is behind it. And the idea is that it's shorts. You know, it's episodic TV. In, in the initial launch, more of an emphasis on like reality and docs, which I think they're, they're stronger at than the scripted fictional series. But they're all, you know, each episode is 10 minutes or less and it's all on your phone. You know, I think the idea originally was this is for people on the go to watch things while you're on the subway or you're waiting for the airplane, which no one can do right now. <laughs> Not the best time for them to be launching this. And, and I've heard that people are complaining that they can't cast the episodes to their televisions because they were very adamant that this is a phone mobile experience. experience. Yeah. And people who are sitting at home right now don't necessarily want to be watching things on their phone. So I don't know how that's going to go over. But there are a couple shows on there that I actually really enjoyed, especially in short increments. And then some things that are just not great at all. It's a real mixed bag. But they're letting people try it for, I think, 90 days for free. So if you're bored, it's just and you, want an to app, you download it and put it on your phone. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Jen, you basically can uh, binge in an hour and <laughs> see the whole whatever. Yes. Yes. Ten episodes. Right. Right. Six episodes. I want to ask you about the latest rumor I've heard, Jen, which is, is it HBO that put Tiger King on? No, it was Netflix. Netflix. And they uh, they have uh, whipped together an extra episode for Americans who haven't seen enough of it. And that also now somebody is working on a dramatic series based on it, maybe with Kate McKinnon as uh, the nemesis and maybe Margot Robbie as Joe Exotic. Have you heard any of this? Okay, so the extra episode, I've heard the rumor, I don't know if it's true. I have not seen confirmation from Netflix on that and maybe I missed it, but I'm not sure if that's really a full legit extra episode. And then the series with Kate McKinnon is actually based on a podcast about Tiger King that predated the Netflix series, I believe. And actually, ironically, sprung out of a article that we at New York Magazine ran last year about yeah. Joe Exotic. And the author of that is involved with the podcast. So even though they're related, it's the Kate McKinnon series is not based on the Netflix series. It's technically based on the podcast, if you can follow all that. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on the impact of Tiger King, which is surprising to me? That, that so many people are into it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a piece about it. Uh, last week, I just feel like it's sort of in the middle of 
the Venn diagram where we think of a docu-series and a trashy reality show. Yeah. It, it sort of lures you in by making you think it's going to be a docu-series and it really is more of a trashy reality show. There are some other docu-series on Netflix that have that, I can't believe this factor, that are much mm-hmm. more well done. Like Wild Wild Country is a, is a great example of that. That have more depth and thoughtfulness than, than Tiger King does. I think people are just bored. It's a crazy story. Once everybody started doing it, it, it just gave everybody something to talk about besides coronavirus. That's what I was going to say. I think the crazy times that we're in right now uh, lends itself to people being more acceptable, possibly. I don't know if that's the right word or not, to something as crazy as Tiger King. I want to catch up on a couple of things uh, because I was behind the curve on unorthodox. And uh, Gina and I started watching it this weekend and we binged it. We could not pull ourselves away. I think it's one of the best things I've seen since the last really great thing on Jack Millions and before that, unbelievable. Uh, And the actress, uh, Shira Haas, I couldn't take my eyes off her. And uh, of everything I have seen lately, unorthodox, really uh, grabbed me. I just, so I just want to recommend anybody listening to this, that unorthodox, a must see. I agree. You were certainly right on that. Yeah, it's a great series. And she is wonderful, Shira Haas. Jen, did you see the uh, the making of Unorthodox? No, I didn't. They have a, a special, I, I want to say it's maybe 15, 20 minutes. I think it's available right on the same screen, if you scroll down or whatever, uh, where you get the different episodes. And it goes, you know, has the directors and the producers and the, and the cast and it goes in depth and you see the behind the scenes shots. It's really well w- worth it if you're into the series. Okay, great. Have you started on Ozark? No. You're behind the curb on that one. <laughs> I'm on season three. And again, as you were saying uh, a few minutes ago, the first season of Ozark was just riveting. The second season was pretty good, but more complicated. The third season, I'm struggling to remember the plot threads from season one and season two, but I do want to say that they still nail that terrible tension where uh, Jason Bateman and Laura Linney have been uh, lured to the Ozarks to launder money for a drug cartel, and you're worried that they're going to be murdered. And the, and interesting to me, in Ozark, the same time as Better Call Saul, both of them, both of those sets of characters are in situations where they're threatened by a drug cartel, and you get uh, confirmation that they think nothing of killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I'm pretty much uh, hooked on season three of Ozark, but just don't ask me <laughs> what's <laughs> happened in season two because I've kind of forgotten. Yeah, I watched season one and I feel like I watched some of season two, but I also have forgotten completely whether I even finished it. You know, I think that show is very well acted, but otherwise I've seen other shows do something similar and do it better. So that's why I wasn't so enthusiastic to up and watch season three. But I do like I do like Jason Bateman. I do like Laura Linney. I like Julia Garner. I think she's terrific. So maybe I'll I'll get there if I can ever get past the quibbies and the other things that I have to watch. Well, for me, I got through Unorthodox. 
And uh, now this is a good uh, follow to that. I think it's pretty good, Ozark. I, I'd recommend it. Now, the one show that we are obsessed with, and I know you're there with us, is Better Call Saul. Mm -hmm. We don't want to give it away, but with each episode that unfolds, I fear more and more for Kim's life. Mm -hmm. Saul Goodman's girlfriend, Jimmy's uh, girlfriend. I fear for her because of that thread of the uh, cartel. I don't want you to give anything away, but where are you on Better Call Saul? I, I still think it's a very, very well done show. I, I am mystified by the decisions that Kim is making at this point to kind of save Jimmy or just support Jimmy. I want to just jump into the TV and just pull her away from him and send her to some other state. <laughs> well, and again, I want to say, because I'm watching Ozark, there are parallels between the two series that I find kind of interesting. And I watch both of them with a knot in my stomach. Uh, and, you know, I, that's, I think that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, one last thing to discuss. Anything on the movie scene that uh, comes to mind for you? Anything coming up? Well, there, there is no movie scene anymore. <laughs> um, literally every big thing that was coming this summer has been postponed or moved to next year, which is wild. Last week, you talked about Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, a small film that went direct to video that would have been probably an independent hit that a lot of people would have liked. Uh, and I went on to look at it because I didn't, I, they, you know, they gave us a chance to stream it before it opened, I think. They did, yeah. And I just hate that. I've streamed movies on my iPad and I just hate it. Really? And you know, they freeze and they, you know, I'll sneeze or something and, and the, the, the video will freeze and I have to reboot it. So I didn't do it. And so I figured, well, I'll, I'll watch it uh, on TV. But it's $19.95. The price point uh, shocks me. Right. Well, so I think with films that were, uh, that had their theatrical releases curtailed, when they put them on demand so quickly because that was their only option. I think they're trying to price those movies like, like that one, like um, Invisible Man, uh, some of these movies that kind of were in theaters and got things cut short. If you had gone, uh, you and Gina had gone to see it, you would have paid, you know, 13 or $14 a person, right? I mean, for free. <laughs> okay, if, if you were a normal person and not oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, not no. a critic. You know, most people pay thirteen or fourteen dollars a ticket, and so they're they're trying to, I think, factor in if you're watching this at home and it's two or three of you, then twenty dollars is is less than you would have paid if if each of you had gone to the theater. But yes, compared to other on-demand things, and as well as Netflix, which you're subscribing to, and you don't have to pay extra for everything that you're already getting. Yeah, it, it is a little bit of a sticker shock, and people might say, you know what, I'd rather watch something on a subscription service that I don't have to pay more dollars for, especially now when a lot of people are, you know, struggling. Well, you know, at home, I very often have downloaded stuff for four ninety five and not even mm -hmm. thought twice about it. Right. But uh, 1995, I thought twice about it. And are you getting any feedback on that price point? Or is 
Is there any way to qualify that? No, you know, I don't know how those movies are doing in terms of whether people are paying for them or not. I, I have to look further into that because we don't, we're, we're not- What I'm saying is the universe is so wide and there's so much stuff available. And, uh, you know, I'm only uh, halfway through Ozark. Uh, so I'm going to go to that instead of uh, the $20 gamble. Right. So, and you can call me a penny pincher if you want to. Well, no, I mean, I think a lot of people are pinching pennies right now, you know? So, Especially people that have lost their jobs. I mean, they, they're not going to be spending 20 bucks on a movie. No. Anything coming up for you that you would like to plug? Anything coming on Vulture or New York Magazine? What are you working on now? Well, are we going to do the spring movie thing or no? Shall we Shall we reveal that? Sure. Finally, Jen's idea will come to fruition. Yes. <laughs> Since you can't go to the movies, one of the things we're, we're maybe trying to do is recommend kind of catalog things that you can watch at home and maybe around a theme. And since it's springtime now, Arch and I thought maybe we'd recommend some good movies that are based in the springtime or that are evocative of spring. Let's use that as a tease mm -hmm. and uh, pitch it over to Lou <laughs> for a shameless plug for our <laughs> enabler, which is Pound Radio. Lewis? And actually, there's a very special event, as you guys, I'm sure, have already heard about, the big concert on April 18th. Here's more details. Pound Radio is proud to help promote one world together at home. I think the thing that I've been most excited about is when I talk to people and I just see everyone want to jump in and help. That's Lady Gaga, who has spearheaded this star-studded global event happening Saturday, April 18th at 8 p.m. It's not a fundraiser, so when the show starts, put away your wallets, put away your credit cards, to sit back and watch the show because we will already have raised money ahead of time. One of the many companies who have already made donations include Apple and its CEO Tim Cook proud to be a part of this. There'll be three hosts, including Jimmy Fallon, who's excited to be co-hosting with his late-night competitors. I love Jimmy Kimmel. I love Stephen Colbert. Uh, and especially in this time, I don't think there is an NBC, a CBS, ABC ratings thing. It doesn't matter at this point. As for who's going to be appearing... Our friends from Sesame Street, me. We also have Alanis Morissette, Andrea Bocelli, Billie Eilish, Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day, Burna Boy, Chris Martin, David Beckham, Eddie better Elton John, Phineas, Idris and Sabrina Alba, Jay Balvin, John Legend, Casey Musgraves, Keith Urban, Carrie Washington, Long Long, Lizzo, Maluma, Sir Paul McCartney, as well as Shah Rukh Khan and Stevie Wonder. Remember the day, Saturday, April 18th at 8 p.m. One World Together at Home will be available anywhere and everywhere. And that means here on Hound Radio 2. Stay safe. At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. So now, Jen, what do you think of when you think of springtime and the movies? Well, there's a couple things. One thing I thought about was baseball, since we don't right. have baseball season. Um, and maybe we can do baseball as a separate thing uh, mm -hmm. at some point. But I was thinking about A League of Their Own, which they're making into a TV series right now but that's a great no movie crying in baseball <laughs> are you crying no are you crying oh. are you crying there's no crying there's no crying in baseball that's a great movie to go back and watch and then a couple years ago at vulture 
we did uh, a series um, on rom-coms where each of us were assigned a season and we had to defend that as the best rom-com season. And by pure coincidence, I was assigned spring and Mm -hmm. I had to make the argument for why spring is the best rom-com season. And you can find that article online and, and there's a bunch of different movies that are that are in there that I suggested. But one of my favorites is in there, which is Before Sunrise, which takes oh, place yeah. in a single day. It's in June, like right before summer. So it's still technically spring. And that's just a great movie to watch. Richard uh, Linklater, right? Richard Linklater and Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are the stars of it. All right, I have an admittedly insane idea, but if I don't ask you this, it's just gonna haunt me the rest of my life. I have no idea what your situation is, but I feel like we have some kind of uh, connection, right? Yeah, me too. Great. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. I mean, it's just a long conversation between two people, essentially, but the the scenery in it is beautiful and the dialogue is great and the two of them are great together. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you, you pitched the idea of talking about spring movies and the first one I thought of was A League of Their Own. Oh, was it? Oh, no. Of course, yeah. The next one I thought of... My mother's a little high-strung. The fact is, you'd be working for me. She can say anything she likes, but she can't fire you. There's a scene in Driving Miss Daisy, which is an often maligned movie these days, but it did win the Oscar for Best Picture. And uh, the spring comes, and uh, Miss Daisy is uh, listening to an opera on her radio on her screen porch and it shows the uh, flowers are in bloom in Atlanta there and the opera is playing and uh, no matter what your revised opinion of Driving Miss Daisy is I always thought that movie captured the best sense of the passage of time in the way they produced it and the scenes they uh, produced mm-hmm. and uh, and so that was uh, the second thing that came to mind and then of course <laughs> because I'm a little silly <laughs> I thought of the producers Spring well, <laughs> time for Hitler <laughs> winter for Poland and France <laughs> and when I think of the producers <laughs> I think of the original 1968 version because it was so outrageous for the time. And of course, that was from the time when I was, you know, really young and discovering movies and people were screaming and yelling in the uh, theater for that. And that's what I've got. I I do have a third one that was in my rom-com piece that I forgot to mention. So you have almost no experience and you can't write. What I don't know, I can learn. What I do know, nobody can teach. Broadcast news, which largely oh. takes place, uh, well, some of it takes place during the spring, and there's a big, the White House Correspondence Dinner, which right. is a typical springtime event here in D.C. There's a whole segment of that movie that takes place during that, um, and that's just one of the great romantic comedies ever made. The whole thing was, uh, what's your favorite movie? And, of course, the answer always changes. And so uh, what's your favorite genre of movie? That is endless. So right. we can milk this yeah. <laughs> until you're my age. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Let's go back over here. What are we recommending this weekend? Well, you already talked about Unorthodox. I'm, I'm recommending Run very strongly Run. on Sunday night. Hey, I'm also enjoying uh, The Plot Against America. Also, not only for the uh, plot, but uh, the production. But Run, Run is on HBO, and I guess we'll figure out when they're uh, putting it out. 
And uh, I would just say um, unorthodox. And also, if um, if people are looking for something silly, especially uh-huh. to watch with their kids, the fourth season of Nailed It is on Netflix now. I don't know if you've ever watched Nailed It. A friend of mine was telling me I need to watch Nailed It. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so. basically, it's it's amateur baking show, competition show. But when I say amateur, <laughs> like real amateur, like really bad. And I know a lot of people have been turning to baking as something to do during um, us all being locked in our homes. Uh, and, and so Nailed It is fun because it will help you realize, you know, as bad as I am, I'm still <laughs> not as bad. As people, people are worse. <laughs> Thanks to you, you know, I've been watching BoJack Horseman and I'm up to the fourth season and you may be interested to know, uh, I just came across the fracking episode. (laughs) (laughs) My wife, Gina, would leave the room when I was watching uh, BoJack Horseman. Well, she actually was in there for this and it caught her attention and she started laughing. So I think that's- That's a great recommendation. So, well, I hope you're staying safe and uh, we're looking forward and looking ahead. Lewis, any final words for us? Well, I found a song. We usually like to close out the podcast with a song. And I found something that uh, was on YouTube from Carol King. She apparently was doing something on her piano from her apartment, I guess, in New York is where she is. This was several days ago. And she came out with a rewritten version, a shortened but rewritten version of so far away. <laughs> so, I thought we would wrap up our podcast today with that song. Appropriate. See you next week. So This is the CATS Podcasting System.